Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sisterly. You're here with your co-hosts, Olivia and Rebecca, and we are so excited to get into another topic today. Today, we're going to be talking about taking risks, how Rebecca and I both feel about risk-taking, some of the things we've done in the past that we felt like were risks um, in the moment. You may agree. You may not agree. Um, (laughs) And then also kind of going into a little bit of advice on when when you should take a risk or when maybe you should go with a safer option and all of our thoughts on that. Um, but before we get into that today, uh, we hope everyone had a fantastic Halloween weekend. As we mentioned in the last podcast, it was also my birthday weekend, had a lot of cake, still have a lot of cake, <laughs> making my way through it bite by bite. I um, bought a whole bag of snack size Reese's peanut butter cups because I was hoping that we might get trick-or-treaters and our neighborhood was lit with children but none came to our house because we're like a multi-family home so I feel like they know like not to I guess ring because there's like too many apartments or whatever so I'm just making my own way through our whole bag of candy (laughs) I do have to say though it's also risky to only have peanut butter cups yeah that's true I thought about it after the fact I was like "Mm, there could be some children who would be displeased by my choice that would be me I would have walked up and been like what is this yeah luckily that never happened because we got zero (laughs) traitors but (laughs) literally no one came so. so they're all for me um but I'm glad I, I realized this because next time when – well, maybe not next time if I'm still in this apartment because I'll get no trick-or-treaters again. But once I, I live in a location in which there are trick-or-treaters, I will get a mix of candies because not everyone likes peanut butter. Yeah, I have a hot take um, about Halloween candy. I mean, I love it, so don't worry about that. But I went to a Halloween party this weekend and there was a bowl of candy and it had dots in it. And I was like, oh, when I was growing up – Dots were my favorite candy to get when I was trick-or-treating. Really? Your favorite? Yeah, was Dots. (laughs) And everyone was like, no. (laughs) Who wants that? Why? Jack said that his was also Dots, though. So clearly that's a sign. made to be. That we were meant to be. Um, But yeah, I mean, they were impossible to get off of your teeth. Do you remember that? Like you would bite into one and they would just stick to your teeth. Stick in your molars. Yeah. Now I would say if I were to go trick-or-treating now, I'd be more of like a Kit Kat, M&M, Twix bar kind of gal. Yeah. See, I'm not into any of the caramel candies. I'm like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, M&M's, Kit Kats, Crunch Bars. Crunch Bars are lame. I think they taste fine. Like they're not like the best, but they taste good. They're just like like there's so many other more elevated chocolate bars than a Crunch Bar. (laughs) Yeah. I'll take anything pretty – Pretty much just chocolate. Not a huge fan of caramel. I feel kind of picky on the gummy candies. I, I don't like them as much anymore now that I'm older. But when yeah. I was younger, I was yeah, all about really like the fruity them. gummy candies. I'm very picky. Like I only like the red starbursts. So it's pretty yeah. limiting. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so anyhow, we hope everyone had a great weekend. We are kicking off the week. We're actually recording on a Monday because it just – be like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And Rebecca was telling me about what she had for dinner tonight. Yeah. Um, and she was telling me she had bok choy. And I would just – To clarify, my whole dinner was not bok choy. It was a side <laughs> to my dinner. <laughs> no, no, no. For dinner, it was just bok choy. It was just bok choy. <laughs> um, and she I'm was asking me now. if I like bok choy. And I was like, 
yeah, I mean, you know, not my favorite of the vegetables, but like, like it enough. And Rebecca was like, I think it's too fibrous for me. I've never heard anyone complain about the fibrousness. Well, it's like bok choy, asparagus, celery. They're just kind of like stringy and just like. Just like don't agree. (laughs) I just find them kind of like chewy and stringy and I just like I don't know I I don't like that when you like bite into an asparagus unless you bite the top part that like it just kind of like gets all stringy like you can't just like bite it and it just like breaks off it's like it just like keeps going I don't know I can't okay I I see what you're saying about that part I can't (laughs) listen we only eat vegetables we can vibe with (laughs) yeah um yeah and tell tell the folks how long it took you to eat (laughs) one piece of bok choy well yeah so Mike made this bok choy and he was like, will you try it? Because I wasn't really clear on if I liked bok choy or not. I didn't know the last time I had bok choy. And so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. So I like take a bite of this bok choy and um, I'm chewing it and I'm kind of like, yeah, it tastes all right. Like it's like, it's not bad. It's fine. It like kind of reminded me of like asparagus or like some other vegetable and I'm like chewing it. But it's so freaking fibrous. I chewed that thing for like – Five minutes. I was just like, I can't. I can't. Like, I can't deal with this. Like, I was just like, still, still there, still chewing it. Mike was like, I can't believe, I can't believe you're still chewing this piece of bok choy. I just, yeah, I don't think I've ever chewed a vegetable for five minutes. <laughs> Maybe it was more like three minutes, but still, it was a long time. Rebecca also admitted to me that she still cuts off the bottoms of her broccoli. So I just want to leave us with that. She only eats the tops. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hit us up if you only eat the top of your broccoli. Yeah. And also tell us your thoughts on the on the bok choy and the fibrous the nature choy. of it. <laughs> <laughs> if you agree. What if are you your disagree. thoughts on fibrous vegetables? <laughs> good, not good. <laughs> but hey, Rebecca took a risk tonight trying that bok choy. You know what? On theme. I took a risk. I tried a vegetable I didn't know if I liked, and here we are. <laughs> and here we are. She, she won't make that mistake again. Um, but that's <laughs> Uh, it's all about what we want to talk about today, which is risk taking. Yes. Um, I am a very risk averse person. <laughs> and so not super qualified on the how to take risks, but I feel like I'd, you know, I could still share my experience with dealing with situations where you feel like you have to take a risk or facing your fears or like kind of putting yourself out there. Um because I am incredibly cautious. I have been since I was a little kid. Um, I love to plan. I like to know what's happening. Um, and I have trouble putting myself out there or doing things that I think might lead to embarrassment or failure. And I don't know if it's like an eldest child thing or an anxiety thing or just me, but I – I feel like I always want to be kind of good at things and I don't like to put myself into situations where I might struggle or I might fail or I just might not be good at it and then embarrass myself or feel bad about myself. Um, So I think one of the hardest things for me, which I, I don't know if it feels like a risk to everyone, but it's just sort of like putting myself out there or speaking up for myself. Um, And I was, you know, I, I think that comes up the most for me in sort of like um, like a dating relationship type context. Maybe not the most, but one of the more prominent um, 
ways that comes up. I was just, I was never a person who would have told the boy if I liked him, there was just no way that was going to happen. And not only would I not say it, but I would actively try to conceal it. <laughs> like I would just <laughs> conceal, don't feel, <laughs> conceal the show. The show. Um, I just like, I didn't, I was so afraid of just like rejection or just like taking that risk that I, I thought it was imperative to not only not say how I felt, but also make it really hard for that person to figure out if I did in fact like them. So I just would not flirt, no indication whatsoever that I am interested. And then I would sit around and wonder why I was single. And it's just like, well, I don't know, maybe because you never put yourself in a vulnerable position or in a position to get hurt or, you know, say how you feel. That could be one of the factors. I don't know. Um, but as an example, uh, this this is something that I've dealt with, like, still now, but like very recently um, when I first met Mike, my boyfriend, um, I met him once with like a group of friends and, um, he came over to my apartment with my roommate and, um, we had been hanging out and then it was like time for him to go. And he was at the door and I was, I was saying bye to him. And I have this very distinct memory of he was leaving and I was saying bye and shutting the door. And then he left and I was just like looking at his face and I could just feel inside that I was sad already because I knew that I had had a really good time with him and I found him really interesting and like I was so comfortable around him and he I, I found myself surprisingly feeling like oh I didn't want him to go like I wanted to hang out with him longer and I just knew inside that I was not going to ask him to do that. I was not going to reach out to him and say, hey, I really liked hanging out with you. Would you want to hang out again? Or reach out to him in sort of any way to let him know that I would be interested in hanging out. And it was just a weird moment where I I sort of thought to myself like, oh, this is sad that like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see him again. And just, I didn't feel like I had any agency in making that happen. Like I I very easily could have been like, hey, do you want to hang out again? I could have said it right then, or I could have asked my friend for his, his phone number and then reached out to him. But I, it just didn't even occur to me to, that that was something I could do. I was just like, oh, like that was really nice stinks that I'll never see him again. <laughs> it's just like, why did I think that? I don't know. But it's just, that's how like, I don't know, risk averse or like afraid I I was of putting myself out there. Thank goodness my friends created another opportunity for me to see him in a group setting and, and you know, that wasn't the end of it. But that very well could have been. I just sort of let that opportunity go. Like I had a great time and then I was like, oh, well, that's it. <laughs> I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense if, you know, for your whole life, you've basically said to yourself, like, I'm not going to take a risk here. I'm not going to put myself out there because that's, there's too much at stake almost. Or then I think it becomes second nature that you're just, you're not going 
to do that? Right. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself in a in a risky situation or a, just an opportunity for it to not go well? I guess. Yeah. Um. It so just, you just felt don't. like I I couldn't like I it just it, it just felt like oh there's there's no way I could do that. Um. And I don't know what I expected instead. Like if like what did I think should have happened if we were to continue speaking to each other that he would have had to do everything on his end and and put himself out there without me having to do it at all I think that's what I thought that he just like should be swooning over me and like begging me for my phone number or something and I just wouldn't need to indicate in any way at all that I was interested and that's just clearly not how that should go but I just remember feeling so sad that I had such a good time and I didn't think it was going to happen again and just felt like that that was it. Yeah. Um, I think also too, we're often taught, we're not really taught how to accept the consequences of a, a risk that doesn't go well. You know, like we're not really taught how to deal with that very much I think yeah and I think I'm thinking about this in like the instance of rejection because that's Mm -hmm. kind of the the risk there right is that the worst case scenario is the rejection and we're not really taught that that's okay you know like rejection has such a negative connotation to it whereas um it's not necessarily the case I mean it's like very brave to put yourself out there and even if it doesn't work out it's still so admirable to try and to just give it a chance because what if it does? I think a lot of times your head goes to like the worst case scenario of like, what if it doesn't work out? What if I embarrass myself? What if this is so awkward? What if it ruins this? What if it does this? It's like, well, what if it goes exactly how you hoped? Right. We're, (laughs) We're only taught to appreciate like a positive outcome. We're not taught to appreciate the risk in itself. Yeah. Um, which is like something, I've definitely noticed a little bit more as I've gotten older. And then it's like, if it's a negative consequence, then like, obviously, again, like we're not supposed to appreciate that. You know, it's, I feel like this sounds cheesy, but it's like, it's not really about the the experience or the journey. It's like only about the outcome. Yeah. Um, And I think that's why we take risks less often. I think for me, I don't know if I necessarily consider myself like risk averse, Um, I do think I often go for like the safer option, but I do think I push myself a lot. I think you do a lot. You try new things. (laughs) I'm like, I don't take a lot of risks. And you're like, you know, you take a lot. Not that you're like risky or that you're like, I don't know, like, like dangerous. Yeah. You're not like a daredevil, but I feel like you push yourself to try new things better than I do for sure. Like I even remember when you were in high school and you were just like, yeah, I'm going to sign up for track and field. And I was like, what? Like, like that was so random. Like it wasn't like we were like runners. We had never d- done that. And it's not a runner even after track and field just one. Yeah. But, yeah and up. yet you've run a half marathon, <laughs> but it's just like, you were just like, yeah, I'm going to sign up for track and field. And then you freaking did it. And I was just like, that is so wild to me. I think I have to, I think it's like a stubbornness thing. Sometimes I think I like to prove people wrong. Yeah, that's fair. I think I sometimes will be like, I'm just, I'm going to do this now because someone said I can't. And so now I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I think that's where the decision making comes from. Like with, I don't know if anyone ever told me I couldn't do track and field. I think it was just like unexpected for me. Yeah. You know? And I'm not a runner, but I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it. 
You can keep um, saying that, but all I'll say is you did track and field and cross country and you've run a half marathon. So I think, in fact, you are a runner. <laughs> I feel like I'm more of a runner now than I was when I did track and yeah. field. Because when I did cross country, let me tell you, I took I would take any opportunity to stop us from running. I really would. <laughs> I was a horrible influence on the group. I would always <laughs> encourage stretching breaks, which is just when you stopped running. No one stretched. Um, I would also encourage us running to people's houses and chilling out there for a little while and then running back <laughs> to school. So but anywho, that was that was a tangent. But I think for me, what felt like one of my bigger risks that I ever took was um, coming out to California to go to school. Um, and I felt like I, I wanted to do it. Once again, I don't, my motivation is like questionable. I, I mean, I loved the school. So that was one thing. But I feel, I feel like I wanted to do it because no one in my school was really going to do that. There were like three of us, I think, out of like 180 that went to school in California. No one in the like the Bay Area though. Ever the other two went to Southern California. And I think I was just like, this is different. Like no one else is gonna do this. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it. Like no one in my family has gone to California. Like I'm just gonna go. And like so sometimes I'll like make the decision and then when it's time to deal with what the decision <laughs> means, I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> um and I think for me it felt so risky too because I've always been I I've don't deal with change super well. I like it, it It really stresses me out. And also I I'm better about it now, but when I was younger, I was like really, really scared about making friends. And so going to school in California where I knew absolutely no one. Um, and I also couldn't just like run home if I wasn't having a good day felt very risky to me. Yeah. But I think for me, it was like, okay, well, if this goes well, like I'm going to have a new life in like a completely different place. Not that I was trying to like run away from my old life, but I was just like, this is, it's going to be brand new and it's going to be like all my own, you know, like I'm going to create this for myself. Mm-hmm. And that was really exciting too, this idea of like building something new on my own um, and also just like starting over. And I don't mean, <laughs> sometimes I think about like, when I say this, it sounds like I'm in one of those like rom-coms where like I had a bad reputation in high school and so I'm starting new on the other side of the starting country. Fresh. Like that definitely wasn't the situation. Like, <laughs> like no one cared. Like I wasn't like running away. I just um yeah, it just felt like a really new opportunity. And um but yeah, it's so I think I feel like that's where my risk taking comes from a lot of times it's like I'm gonna prove a point or (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna do this because I can damn it (laughs) yeah and I don't or like I was like you know what I'm gonna I studied abroad in Spain and I was like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna take classes all in Spanish I don't speak Spanish that well but I'm gonna do it so uh and that turned out to be a fantastic life decision as did moving to California yeah I mean I definitely think two like there definitely have been risks that I've taken that haven't necessarily gone well. Right. They can't all be 10 out of 10, you know. I feel like most of them are like, once again, like romance related. Cause I feel like you say to me all the time, like, Oh, you take more like risks in that area. And I'm like, yes. And I have way more flops than you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that's just because like, yeah, you, there's more opportunities for that to happen, but it's also more opportunities for you to be successful. So 
yeah, I guess that's true. But then you have to live with the embarrassment of the flop forever. <laughs> yeah, but you handle it, I think, very gracefully. And I think it's I think it's braver to do what you're doing versus what I did, which was just like self-preservation to the point of not fully getting experiences or just like not living as much as I could have been. Not that it's like, you know, it is what it is. Like it's fine. I'm not like deeply regretful, but it's just like, you know, it stinks that you get self-conscious or you're just too worried or anxious that you just don't try things. And it stinks when sometimes you look back and think like, oh, like I, I probably could have had these other opportunities or or other experiences had I just opened myself up to them a bit. And, you know, I'm still very young. Like I'm learning it now and I feel like I'm seizing those opportunities now. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what good. I was going to say. Like – because you're like, oh, like, I wish I had realized this earlier. But at the same time, I, yeah, like, you're 29. Like, you <laughs> yeah. have so much life left to live, you know? It's not like. Right. Um, it's not too late. <laughs> yeah. But I, I I do think, I think it's interesting because I feel like we, I guess we do take risks differently. It's funny. I think at the beginning of this episode, I thought that my outlook on risk taking was very different than maybe it actually is in reality. <laughs> <laughs> Think. Because I, I do think in my my mind though, like even though I take maybe more risks, I definitely – they don't feel like impulsive risks. No, you like – yeah, and I don't think a risk has to be like, oh, it's, it's spontaneous. You just yeah. decide all of a sudden. It's like it could be an agonizing decision, but you still then end up taking it. And yeah. that's still taking a risk even if you've like thought about it, weighed your options, planned it out. I definitely do also have like – Post decision making stress. Yeah. Like this happens. It's like you make a choice, but then you're like, mm, did I make the right choice? Yeah. And sometimes it's too, it's too late. Like the choice has already been made. It's happening. Um, I had that, I had that feeling. That's happened to me a lot. It happened when I got my first tattoo. I was like, oh my God, what did I do? Yeah. For like the first week. And then I was like, no, like I'm now fine. But it was just like, wow, I made a choice. And like you can't go back on that choice. And I think that's super apparent when you get a tattoo. Like, yep. but I, it happens all the time. Like it, it's funny because people talk all the time about tattoos. Like you're permanently making a mark on your body. You can't take it back. Like all that, that happens so often in life. Like we make choices all the time. We take risks mm-hmm. all the time that we can't Yeah. You take can't back. undo them. You just don't have them permanently showing all the time, like physically. Right. But so, like, people always say that about tattoos, but it's, like, every – not every – okay, maybe every choice is, like, a little dramatic, but so many choices you make, like, impact your life forever. And, um, you know, that happened when I decided to move out to California. Like, even if I, you know, hadn't liked it and I transferred or something, like, that still would have been a decision that was with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I felt that, obviously, when I got my tattoo because, once again, it's, like, a, a visualization of of that. Permanence. Um, mm-hmm. It happened – when I got my cat, um, because I was just like, okay, um, so I just got this cat and I'm responsible for this creature now. Right, for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, you're like, right, because I mean, commitment. I'm hoping he lives that long. Um, well, now all my animals, I hope they live that long. But yeah, like, when do you make a, a you know, decade long commitment? Yeah. Like, that was the yeah, first. Yeah, it's a big deal. It and is. We, got our, we got our dog, and I was like, oh my God, like, She's going to live a, like at least a decade. And I said to Mike, I was like, 
did you think about this like before we got her that like we got a dog together and and she's gonna live maybe 12 15 years he was like yeah (laughs) okay it's just just checking that you're aware of the longevity of her and us and all of that good stuff yeah (laughs) but I think and I I think it's so easy too to like get stuck in the what ifs of Mm -hmm. taking a risk making a decision um and I think sometimes it's good like we should ask ourselves you know the what ifs like before I got tattooed I looked up a lot about like tattoo removal like not that I that's what I wanted like I'm not you're like I have options yeah but it's just it is nice to know what your options are before any you know big decision so I I think that's good but I also think sometimes that those can um prevent us from maybe taking a worthwhile risk because there are so many what Wait, you know it just popped into my head oh a wow. quote from the iconic a cinderella story oh which one the one with don't Dale. let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game should we make that the title of this episode? I think yes. Yeah, I think I think we have our episode title right here and now. As the iconic, legendary Miss Hillary Duff said in this Well, it was her story. dad that said that. That's true. It's her dad said it, but it was like on their diner wall. Big climactic moment at the end of the movie. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler when the guitar falls. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Don't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. That's deep. Relevant to our risk taking. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it's also interesting too because – I feel like we're talking a lot about the benefits of taking a risk. And I think I think overall, like risk being a risk taker is something that I I do want. We only got that one life to live, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time As I Drake also, said, YOLO. <laughs> thanks for that. A value add. <laughs> yep. Doing what I can. <laughs> but even saying oh okay sorry um, <laughs> let me just derail our whole episode as i quote random celebrities <laughs> um, there i think there are also a lot of valid reasons to not take a risk and i think that's okay and i think a lot about because once again like we were saying in comparison between the two of us like i'm probably a little bit riskier yeah but when i went to college like there was there was a lot of peer pressure um but like there were a lot of times where like I felt like I had to like, you know, participate in certain activities because I didn't like want people to think I was lame or or things like that. Or and I don't even necessarily just mean like, oh, like drinking, like j- just like other things, too, that I just I was like so scared of saying no. Mm-hmm. Um but sometimes, I think you were saying this to me earlier, Rebecca, like sometimes the risk is saying no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was listening to a podcast the other day by um, Glennon Doyle. She has a podcast with her sister, Amanda, and her wife, Abby Wambach, called We Can Do Hard Things. Highly recommend. It's great. And they were doing an episode on bravery, and they were talking about how bravery isn't just – the traditional understanding of it, which is like being bold or doing the reckless thing or, you know, whatever's adventurous. Sometimes being brave is just doing whatever is truest to you and your character and what you're feeling. And I think like you're saying, like 
sometimes brave is is just saying no thanks or thanks but like that's not for me or just saying that you don't like something or don't want to do something even when it might be easier in that moment to just do it. I honestly think that sometimes that's the area of like being brave or riskier that I'm better at is like I'm very stubborn. And so if I don't want to do something, I'm pretty good at saying no. I'm yeah, not going to do you that. Yeah, you your limits and your boundaries. Yeah, I just, you know, and it gets mixed up in place because in other areas I'm like more people pleasing. But I think in terms of just certain things that I'm like set on, I'm very good at saying no thanks, like that's not for me or whatever. And I think that that's just an underrated element of bravery, that it doesn't have to be the more in-your-face thing or the like classically brave thing. It might just be doing something that's hard in the moment if it's just the truer thing for you. Yeah. I'm actually thinking of a recent example when we were um, on the uh, on vacation this summer and our brothers wanted to go jet skiing <laughs> yep. and they needed another adult to go. My dad went with them. Um, and then needed another adult and you were just like, no, like I don't want to go jet skiing. I just was like, I am not interested in jet skiing. It's not even like I was so afraid. Like I didn't think I was going to die on the jet ski. Yeah, I was just, just like, like you, knew you didn't want to do it. I was just like, ah, that's not for me. <laughs> I don't want to do it. And like, I was pretty scared. And I, you were? <laughs> I, I mean, I have been jet skiing before, but like, I remember that I didn't really like it the first time, yeah. <laughs> but I like, I didn't want to, you know. I mean, yeah, you were being a good sport. You I were didn't like, wanna, like letting not letting down, the brothers like, down. Whereas I was like, whatever, I'm letting them down. I don't want to do it. And I, I mean, it's not like I felt pressured by any means. I think I just put a lot of pressure on myself. So I'm like, fine, I'll do it. And I mean, I was still terrified the entire <laughs> time. Like I got maybe a little bit towards the end. Um, luckily, I went with my older younger brother and I just – I literally screamed my head off the whole time because I was so scared and he was like very nice about it and just like let me scream. And these weren't like – it wasn't like a woohoo. It was like a – like <laughs> like fear for my life. Yes. Like like it was either screaming or crying, like one or the other. Um, and I don't know. I would probably still <laughs> do it again. Um, because I, it was really fun to like go with my brother and like see him yeah. have fun too. And, and I do like to push myself. I do like to push myself and see me come out the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's, it's good to push yourself. I think what's important about like facing your fears or like how, you know, when you should take the risk and like when the right thing for you is to like say no is I I just think about how will I feel after Mm -hmm. it's like afterwards will I feel disappointed or regretful that I didn't do it or will I feel relieved and glad and confident in my choice that I didn't do it like with the jet skiing I did not feel bad after I was like yeah I did it I did not want to go and I was glad I didn't go I was glad everyone else had a good time but I wasn't like oh I'm so sad I missed it I was like nah I'm good like I'm glad I didn't go but then there's been other times where I'm just like yeah it bums me out that I didn't do that and I could have and I I'm not going to get that back and I just have to live with that now. And I try to use that when I'm contemplating a choice in the future. Like even if it's like a past silly thing. Like I remember once I used to live in New York City and my old roommate Deepa, she 
was like, um, what's it called? Moderating a panel for like a film festival. And she got to meet the actor Milo Ventimiglia, who plays Jess on Gilmore Girls. Love him. <sighs> Amazing. Not enough good things to say about um, Milo Ventimiglia. But she met him. And she invited me out after the panel to come to a party where he was there. And I, I showed I showed up. But as I approached the building, he was outside, like about to get in his Uber. And she had, like earlier that day, told him, oh, my roommate loves you. It's her birthday. Like, all, like she had told him about me. And I saw him there and I just like stared at him. And let me just uh, give context to the listener. He was my absolute childhood crush. Like you could not find a celebrity I cared more about as a teen than just from Gilmore Girls. Um, and he's like standing there in front of me on the sidewalk in real life. And I just looked at him and he looked up at me. Like he saw me because I was like blatantly staring, at, staring at this man. <laughs> I'm blatantly staring at this man. And he's like, you know, his Uber's approaching or whatever. And like, there was a clear chance for me to go up to him and say, hey, and and I even had a reason to talk to him. I could be like, oh, my roommate interviewed you today. Like she told you it was my birthday. Like, so nice to meet you. I'm a big fan. And I just couldn't. I was just like, oh my God, no, this is like way too embarrassing. Like, this is not cool. Like, I, I'll just leave him alone, whatever. And then he like got in his Uber and other people got in there and he was chatting and like seemed clearly very friendly. And afterwards I was just like, oh my God, I like can't believe I missed my one chance to talk to Jess from Gilmore Girls. And you know, it's not the end of the world. It's fine. But in like in hindsight, I'm just like, why did I, there was really nothing to lose in that moment. Like Mm -hmm. maybe he would have been rude, but like it just, it really didn't seem like that was going to be the case. And I just was too scared to put myself out there or do something that maybe would have been embarrassing but also maybe would have been like the highlight of my year and I just was like nope can't do it well now if you ever see him again you'll never make the same mistake (laughs) I will never make the same mistake again (laughs) um yeah I think it's like I like we go forward because I mean we will have a lot more risks in our lives hopefully Um, I think I, when I think about it, I always just try to weigh the pros and cons of like, what's the worst case scenario and what's the best case scenario. And then oftentimes when I come up with the worst case scenario, I then come up with a plan of how I will handle the worst case scenario, you know? Or it's even like, how likely is the worst case scenario? If it's like, it could be really, really, really unlikely. (laughs) that that worst right. case scenario would actually happen. Whereas like the best case scenario might be way more likely. Right. Like with the jet skiing, like I guess the worst case scenario <laughs> is I would get like incredibly harmed or die. But like the odds of that were very, very, very small. And like the more likely odds were me having a good time with my brother and, you know, having that experience, um, which is what ended up happening. I mean, I still was terrified, <laughs> but I did it. Um But then I think there are also other, you know, risks that just really aren't worth it. And that's okay. And maybe it it doesn't – like maybe to other people it seems worth it or they don't understand your reasoning. But like that doesn't really matter. What matters Mm -hmm. is how you feel and if it it genuinely feels like – I mean also too like 
maybe it is a relationship situation and the outcome is you getting heartbroken and you aren't prepared to handle that. Right. That's okay. Yeah. If you know yourself and you're like, yep, I can't deal with that right now. Like that's, that's not what I want. Super valid. Or even if it is just like the, the consequence could be getting rejected and you're just like not prepared for that or you don't want to feel that way right now. Like you don't have to really justify that to anyone. I shouldn't even say you don't really have to. You don't have to justify that to anyone. Um, and maybe you'll feel ready for it tomorrow, but you're not ready for it today, and that's fine. Yeah, um, I think it's like the crucial thing is just understanding your own reasons for why you right. are or aren't doing something. It's like you don't have to explain it to anybody else, but you should be able to understand for yourself why am I choosing to do this versus why am I choosing not to do this? Is it fear? Is it fear of rejection? Is it fear of embarrassment? Is it just fear of uncertainty of the outcome? Or is it I have other reasons why this this isn't the right thing for me or why I'm not interested in this? Yeah. As one of my favorite uh, Instagram influencers, Tabitha Brown says, because that's my business. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I make decisions because it's my business yeah. and no one else has to know what, my, what it is. And I think... Um, when I was younger, it was hard for me to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. It was hard to say it's my – I mean, I, like when I'm – it's still hard for me to do that. It's not like it's been so long. I'm not so wise. But um, like especially in high school and in college, like I even think back to high school when I kind of forced my way into classes that were maybe harder than I could handle because um, I didn't want to have to explain to people like why I couldn't do it. So I just decided – I'm going to do it and I'm going to work super hard, even if working hard enough isn't enough. Like I just, so I just took that risk and it didn't always pay off, you know, like I ended up being incredibly exhausted or feeling like I, you know, feeling worse than I probably would have if I had just gone with the, another choice. So, um, I think it's important that we remember that when we are deciding whether or not to, you know, take a chance on something that, we should try our best not to be influenced on what other people are going to think about it and really just what we want right now. Yeah, which I think actually perfectly ties into what we're hoping to talk about next time, which is being able to state what you want and and um, ask for it. Ask for what you want. And I think the first part of that is just knowing even what you want, mm-hmm. which I find very difficult to know what I want. I, but knowing what you want and then being able to ask for it. Mm-hmm. It's like super. First of all, working up the courage and then doing the damn thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're really excited to talk about that um, next week. If you have any stories of like struggling with asking for what you want um or stories of like working up the courage and and being better at it in your own life we would love to hear it um because we're going to discuss next week um yeah we'd love any input and we'd also love to hear about you know what are some risks that you've taken how do you face your fears how do you convince yourself you know not convince yourself how do you Look within yourself to figure out if you're if you want to do something or not or why you want to do it or not. Um, because we are still learning very much how to how to face fears and how to take risks. But I feel like we're getting there. We're growing I think it so too. all the time. Yeah. 
you know, we're, we're out here doing the work, <laughs> trying to better ourselves. Hey, even putting out this podcast was a risk. Uh, Yeah. That felt very risky. That was it a felt risk. I felt very risky. It did. I can't believe we didn't even mention that until right now. I know. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I thought of it before we finished. But yeah, felt very risky. And I think there was a risk we were both nervous about. We were both very nervous. But it, yeah, it felt so vulnerable, and so like the potential for embarrassment, the potential for other people's action of yeah rejection. Yeah. Just, but it. We looked within ourselves, and we were like, "This is something that." feels really fun for us and we think could be really worthwhile. And I'm so glad that we did. Yeah, because I think the the best case scenario of, of that risk was, you know, us having a good time, feeling more connected as sisters, um, having people listen and having pe- having it make any sort of positive impact on another person. Yeah. Um, Anytime I hear anyone's feedback about like how they related to something or how they thought something was funny or how they had like a similar experience and then share their story. It just like completely reaffirms that I'm so glad that we decided to do this because it just like it makes my whole day when someone tells me they listened and then related to something. No, I totally agree. Or even when someone listens and like has feedback of how to make it better. Love that too. You know, Um, it just, it means so much. So anywho, that kind of got like sappy at the end there. Um, but that's all we've got for today's episode so thank you so much for listening Um, as we said before please feel free to reach out to us at sisterly pod on instagram with any stories or anything you want to share we always love to chat over there Um, or you can also email us um, at sisterly.contact at gmail.com and we will see you all nope we won't see you you'll hear us you'll hear us (laughs) next week um, for a new episode.